Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. Buenos dias. <laughs> uh, we spent the last week or so in Cuba together, and you'll hear a little bit more about that as we go on. But uh, it's good to see you here gathered in the name of the Lord. Good morning, church. And uh, glad to be together. Did you, I just hope you caught this, that we just sang a song about Jesus. Today is the first day that song has ever been sung in a church on the face of the planet. And isn't that an awesome thing to see that happen and to be part of that? Uh, you know, I just love that we, uh, that we were able to produce, sing new songs for the Lord as the Psalms tell us to do. Well, we are entering into a new series called Jesus. Uh, you know, no mystery in the title. What are you preaching about, you know, Pastor? Jesus, okay? We're preaching about Jesus. And uh, we're going to look at the life of Jesus from birth all the way through Easter and resurrection, the birth of the church. And so uh, that's what we're doing together. We're looking at Jesus. So I want to invite you to open your Bibles or uh, turn them on your phone, wherever the Word of God comes to you in your life. And, and let's, let's look at Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. As you open the Bible, let's open our hearts in prayer. Lord, there's something profound and, and miraculous and beyond expectation that happens when we open your Bible, you show us yourself. And we pray, Jesus, that you would do that. That's what we need. We need to hear your voice. We need to see you. We need to know you so that we can love you and follow you into eternal life. So help us. In Jesus' name. The church said, Amen. Amen. Matthew 2, 1 to 13. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king... They went on their way, and, they, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. This is God's word. We're grateful. Amen. 
born and raised. Where were you born and raised? It tells us a little bit about who you are. It tells someone a little about, about who you are if you tell them where you were born and raised. I was born in Würzburg, Germany. I was raised in Knoxville, Tennessee. And then I was raised a lot more right here in Colorado Springs. Born and raised. Army brat. Amen. Yep. Army strong. Hua. And, uh, and, you know, people are different, born and raised in different places. Uh, my wife, Abigail, she was born and raised in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Took me 15 years to say that right. It's not Lancaster. It's not Linkster. It's Lancaster. Am I right? Close enough. All right. So that... That tells you a little bit about, uh, you know, about her. If I thought, oh, I know something about central Pennsylvania. Maybe we've got something, some way to connect. If you're born and raised here in Colorado, you get issued a special bumper sticker, right? It says native. How many of you have that bumper sticker that says native? Anybody got that? You got it on your car? Anybody? Yeah, there's one right back there. Thank you. I knew we'd have one in every service. We did. There's Colorado pride in being born and raised here, but they don't issue very many of those bumper stickers, let me tell you that. Born and raised. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We're taking this time in this series just to look at the life of Jesus. Who was Jesus, this man? What was his life about? In 2015, the Barna Research Group were asked to poll the population in the UK for something that they called Talking Jesus, a report that they were going to give back to the church. And so they went out, and and what they found out was stunning. Here's one slide from what Barna found out in the UK, 2015. They went out and they asked this question, was Jesus a real person? Was Jesus a real man who lived in history, or was he a myth? Now, here's what they found. I'm not going to go deep into this, but you can kind of see there's a line there that's uh, uh, like younger people, older people, and then that's, you know, all UK adults over and all that. And they asked, was Jesus a real person who actually lived? About 60% of the people, they could say, yeah, he was a real person who lived. About 17 or so percent of the people, they said, I don't know, not sure. But about 23% or 20, about a quarter of the people, about one out of four, said no. Jesus was a myth, a legend. He didn't really exist. Friends, this is what we call in, uh, in my business a problem. <laughs> right? You know, and I think it's coming over here, and the problem gets worse the younger they ask. Like, is, was Jesus even there? Was Jesus even a, a person who existed? Well, it's up for debate. All of a sudden, it's up for debate. So we, we think, hey, let's take some time, walk through the life of Jesus, and just look at his life from kind of a historical perspective, you know, so that we can walk through his life and maybe put a few questions aside, maybe have some answers to give to people who ask us, oh, was Jesus really a person? So that we can meet this man. Jesus was A man. Meet the man Jesus, and it will change your life. But first meet the man. First meet the man. We're living in this really interesting time where confidence in knowledge and truth are are pretty low, right? Can I really know something? Is there such a thing as truth? Not not only in, in places like religion and ethics and that, but even in fields like history. What occurred in history? History. Well, whose story are you talking about? Didn't different people tell different stories? What is history? Well, sure. 
Different people tell different stories. But friends, something happened. Something actually happened. And what actually happened still matters. See, we live in this time where um, we're careful with one another. We don't want to hurt one another. And so when we're pursuing questions of truth, we, we want to say to one another, well, that's my truth. Uh, I'd love to hear your truth. You heard that? Uh, what we're saying is, um, I don't want to have a conflict with you. I don't want to insult you. I don't want things to come to, come to head, ahead with you. And so I'm willing to put aside my sense of the occurrence of events as they occurred. I'm willing to set that aside just so we don't get into a fight. So I'm going to give you my truth. You can give me your truth. What we do is we take truth and, and we modify that word truth with a personal possessive pronoun, right? My truth, his truth, her truth, your truth. And then what happens is truth itself becomes just an expression of personal perspective. And what we've lost is truth as a community exercise in figuring out what's really out there. You with me? But when it comes to the things that really matter, we, we don't play that game as much. Like when a, a police officer comes, and you've, you've been in a wreck, right? The police officer comes. The officer is not going to walk away from that scene saying, Hey, man, thanks for sharing your truth. And, and you, I just want to say to you, thanks for sharing your truth, you know? And I just appreciate you guys sharing your truth. Okay, I'm out, right? That's, that's not how it's going to happen. No, the police officer has a responsibility to come to terms with some assessment of the events as they occurred, right? When things are most important in life, uh, we, we set aside the personal possessive pronouns. The last thing you want is for your doctor to give you some diagnosis and say, but that's just my truth, right? <laughs> Dude, I don't want your truth. <laughs> I want to know what's going on. I want, I want the truth. I want the truth. Here's what I want us to do. As we go into this series, part of what we're, we're trying to do is kind of um, lift our eyes up a little bit and say, let's put aside this my truth, your truth, his truth, her truth. Let's try to come to terms with what can we confidently say together about this man, Jesus of Nazareth, who lived and died and had such a profound impact on the earth that few people, if any, ever have. What can we say? Jesus of Nazareth was born in Bethlehem. Right here. That's a map. You see Jerusalem dead in the middle, just south of that. It's a tiny little town called Bethlehem. And I had the pleasure of being there with a bunch of people from the church just a few months ago. Hey, First Pres, if you can believe this, I'm standing in the church where we believe Jesus Christ was actually born in, uh, in a grotto down behind the, the altar, down underneath. We're about to go in with everyone else. But in all this, uh, you can see there's no snow globes, there's no uh, snow falling, no Christmas trees. Uh, just a, a place here up on the hilltop in Bethlehem and, uh, and a place where there was a real birth with a real young woman going through real pain. And the thing is, when Jesus was born here, he wasn't safe here. 
he immediately had to move out with his family. He wasn't safe back at home. He wasn't safe in Bethlehem. And he and his mother and his father immediately became refugees, fleeing to Egypt. Jesus was born into a hostile place, a place of conflict, a gritty place. But he came, and he was born for us. You see, that's real. It's a real spot. There's real dirt there. It's a real place. Now, the time is uncertain. We don't know exactly the date. We know that Jesus was not born on December 25th, 0000. You know that? You know, they made a mistake. So when the Gregorian calendar was put together, the monks did their best, but they, they made a mistake. How do we know they made a mistake? Because Jesus was born while King Herod was alive. And we know from other things and other attestations in history that King Herod was, died somewhere between what we would call 4 B.C. and 1 B.C. So, so we're not sure exactly the date, but we know where. Now, ancient dating is, is really difficult to, to do. Okay, so when you're talking about dating in the ancient world, uh, you didn't have a common calendar. Nobody was watching their calendar go by on their iPhone or anything like that, and you know, putting things down. So there, so they had to locate events through other known periods in history, the the rule of a certain leader or a celestial event or lunar events. And those things, they lay over one another like circles on a Venn diagram, but they still left kind of a big gap sometimes in the middle. And so it's hard to get the exact date and time. But that should not cause you to lose any confidence in the event. You see, that kind of thing even happens in our own time. Let me give you an example. Uh, we know that First Press started within a couple of weeks of Colorado Springs filing its paperwork with the Colorado Territories to become a city, August 1872. So uh, about a year ago, the city came out and announced that we're about to celebrate as a city the sesquicentennial. Don't you love that word? You know what that means? 150 years. Everybody say sesquicentennial. Nice. And everybody wipe that off the back of your head. That's... Uh, um, so, so, so we were confused because the city came out and said, yeah, we're going to celebrate the sesquicentennial in July 2021. We're like, what? Because we thought, so what's going on? And so I was looking through books and articles and all this stuff in history, and, and finally Mary, Mayor Southers told me, no, we're not celebrating when we filed the paperwork. We're celebrating when someone came and drove the first stake into the ground to start mapping the city out. July 1871. You with me? So, when did Colorado Springs start? You know, if we can get confused about something that happened 150 years ago, we can forgive the the monks of the Middle Ages when they got off by a couple of years on the birth of Jesus. But listen, there's no doubt that he was born. And there's no doubt where he was born. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Meet this man, and it will change your life. But first meet the man. This is how Matthew, a tax collector whose, whose life was changed by Jesus, so this is how he puts it. Verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. A real time, a real moment, in a real place. You know, usually when we read this, um, you know, we're so hopped up on Christmas fudge, right? Like, 
Didn't you, even, even when, I, when I read it, didn't you hear the Christmas carols coming out? You're like, what? Did I sleep? Did I, what's going on? Is it Christmas already? Uh, we're so hopped up on Christmas magic that when we read these passages, we hardly come to terms with the reality of what was going on. Jesus was born during the reign of King Herod. King Herod was a sick and twisted tyrant. He was a puppet king of an imperial regime. Herod's family always knew how to stay in power. When, uh, when Rome took over the land, they cooperated and, uh, and they found a way to play the game. When Pompey took over, Herod's father worked for Pompey. And then when Pompey was finished and Julius Caesar took over, the family worked for Julius Caesar. And then when Julius Caesar was, you know, done, <laughs> you all know how Julius Caesar was done, right? The family found a way, and they worked in again. They found a way. So Herod and his family were always there to help Rome to tax and oppress their own people, the Jews. And Jesus was born at the end of Herod's life when Herod was sick and desperate and paranoid. He had one of his own favorite wives killed. He had two of his favorite sons slaughtered on a rumor that they might be making plans to move against him. He had plans in place that upon my death, these, it was over a list of over a hundred officials were to be slaughtered on the day that he died. That's how sick this guy was. And so there's no, you know, no big surprise when we come to verse 3 and we see that Herod, having learned that something had occurred, when Herod had heard this, he was disturbed. Well, this guy was disturbed in a lot of ways. Are you with me? But he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with them. Herod was disturbed because there might be a threat to his rule. Jerusalem was disturbed because they didn't know how Herod was going to act next. That's King Herod. What about the Magi? These are probably Persians from Babylon who are astronomers, watched the stars, and tried to catch the signs, seers. And Herod wanted to know what they knew. So hearing this from them, he called his own experts together. Verse 4, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Here's what I want you to know. Chief priests and teachers of the law, that's not one group of people. That's actually two groups of people. The priests were the Sadducees. The teachers of the law were the Pharisees. They hardly agreed on anything, but they both came forward and attested the Messiah. supposed to be born in Bethlehem. So as soon as these magi go off and, and they leave Herod and they go off to Bethlehem and they don't come back, there's no surprise that Herod flew off the handle. And he ordered the slaughter of all the children, all the boys under two years old in the town of Bethlehem. Probably two dozen boys were killed that day. We think of Jesus as this Sweet, chubby little cherub baby, right? Born uh, on a, a silent night with, uh, with uh, flocked snow on the pine trees outside and the snowflakes falling gently down and the camels and the donkeys and the sheep all gathered up around him. You know, if Disney was in charge, they'd be swaying back and forth, and, you know, kind of singing a little, humming a little tune. <laughs> you know, that's not it. It's not it. Jesus was born into a gritty reality. 
And as soon as he was born, he wasn't safe. His parents whisked him up into their arms, carried him off to Egypt. They were displaced persons, refugees, bobbing like a cork on the waves of war and violence and terrorism. That's the birth of Jesus. Now, all of that, I would say, is pretty normal stuff. We can accept that. As, that's, that's historical in the sense that that's kind of how things go. I mean, I could tell a similar story in a lot of different countries right now, right? We see life happening this way. But along the way, some mysterious things happen too. Some things that make us think a little bit more. Like, what about the star? What was the star? Well, it could have been a, uh, a comet. It could have been a, a star that was, was burning out and flashed brightly before going into nothingness. It could, have been, it could have just been a pattern of stars and planets that very rarely occurs. But whatever it was in the, sty- in the sky, it got these men to get up from Babylon and start moving toward Jerusalem. What's more important than the light or the lights or whatever it was they saw is, is how they interpreted it. Have you ever had something happen in your life that was a little bit strange? You know, you're praying and there's a shooting star. Or you're, you're staring out the window wondering if God is, knows you, sees you, and a bird comes and sits on the ledge. Or, and you just kind of know, all right. Or you look up into the sky and you see Orion. Do you guys know the constellation Orion? You see Orion up in the sky and you're halfway around the world and you remember that God is always with you wherever you go, listen, the world itself is a stage for the demonstration of God's love for all who have their eyes open. Weird things happened. It was in what they saw that life changed. Now, they came and they brought gifts, right? They brought gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gold for royalty as though they were about to meet a king. Myrrh, myrrh as though they were about to meet a priest who deals with death and burial. Frankincense, as though they were about to meet a prophet who gathers people in sacred spaces to hear the word of God. Three gifts. Now, we're never told that there were three men. You know that, right? So whenever they sing, we three men, you're just like, wrong! (laughs) We weren't told there were three men. There might have been. We're told there are three gifts just to be historically accurate. The men were warned by a dream not to return to Herod. Say what you want about that, you know? Is that strange? You know, I mean, you know me. You know I'm not averse to the supernatural. I'm not averse to things that come in from, you know, from a different plane and, and intersect with us spiritually. But what I'm trying to do is look at these events with clear eyes and say, what is the thing that we could say together? Not my truth, his truth, church's truth. What could we say together about this? Now, what about a dream? Dreams work in all kinds of different ways. I bet you've had dreams. And sometimes dreams are enough to rattle us and to shake us and to change our direction. These guys had a dream. I'm telling you, I bet pretty much everybody who met King Herod had a nightmare (laughs) sometime shortly thereafter. And so they woke up, and they had enough sense to say, anybody else feel like we don't need to see that guy again? Yeah, let's go around the other way. Let's go around the other way. What do we know? We know there was a man named Jesus who was born in Bethlehem just outside of Jerusalem, And although born away from his home, on the run to unremarkable parents, his birth made a mark on history. 
That's where we begin. That's where we start. Jesus of Nazareth was born in Bethlehem at the end of the rule of King Herod. And we'll see what happens next. But let me give you some application. Okay. Uh, I just came back from Cuba, as you've heard, and our team was out there visiting First Pres, uh, Primera Iglesia Presbyteriana. Right? Come on. In, uh, in Havana, Cuba. And I can tell you that the church is, the church is at work. That from the middle of Havana, Cuba, the, the name of Jesus Christ is being lifted up. The word of God is being shared. Disciples are being made. And they're even making, not only are they keeping this church going, it's been going since 1906. Not only are they keeping this church going in the middle of communist Cuba in a declining barrio, a terrible neighborhood, but they're actually making advance. They're seeing people come to Christ. I don't know if you've heard of Santeria. They're having people come from Santeria into faith in Jesus. I've met some of these people. And so the gospel is on the rise in the middle of Havana, Cuba. Isn't that awesome? It's incredible. I know. Praise God. I mean, if you told me that two weeks ago, I'd say, you're nuts. And there it is. But in, in Cuba, in Cuba uh, the infrastructure is falling down. Uh, the buildings are falling down. The, the cement is falling down, literally. And so you can see that. But whenever they get a, a special visitor, they repair that part of the city. So like when the Pope came a few years ago, they determined exactly where the Pope was going to drive. And all along that path, they repaired the road. And they repaired the buildings. And they painted the fronts of the buildings. And so everything looked pretty nice. When just a block away, things were literally crumbling in on themselves. Friends, we do the same thing with Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was born into the mess. But we think if Jesus shows up in my life, I've got to cover over the ruined places. I've got to throw some paint on the cracks. I don't want Jesus to see where things are falling apart in my life. Listen, Jesus did not come to see how well it was working in the system. And Jesus doesn't come into your life to see how well things are working in your system. We think, I've got to get myself all polished up and all put together because Jesus is going to see this and I want it to shine. Jesus came to see the ruins and the mess. If he was born in Bethlehem, he was born into the mess. And if he's born in your life, he's coming to see the mess. Isaiah 52 foretells the coming of the Messiah. It says it this way, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. Who are the beautiful feet? The beautiful feet are the feet of Jesus, the feet of the one who has authority to proclaim the coming kingdom of God, the one who has authority to proclaim salvation, to bring good news of his coming, the reign of God. And people, they waited for it. They were watching for it, watching for those feet to come over the mountain. And when the feet came over the mountain, Isaiah 52, verse 9, it says they burst into songs of joy together. Burst into songs of joy together. You, what? Say it with me. You ruins of Jerusalem. They might have seen Jesus coming and thought, we've got to clean this up. 
They're standing in the ruins watching for the Messiah to come. And they see the feet on the mountain. And they say, we've got to clean this up, guys. We've got to put this together. We've got to throw some paint on this. I don't want Jesus to see this. This is a mess. But Jesus is coming right into the waste places and right into the ruins. It's exactly where he's coming. We think, I can't let Jesus see this. I can't let Jesus come into my life when it's all falling apart, when I can't hold it together and keep it up. I can't go to church. I can't go to mops. I can't go to Bible study. I can't let, I can't let the light of Christ shine on that. He's going to see that I don't have it all together. That's exactly what Jesus came to see. He came to enter the mess. We fail to receive help because we don't want Jesus to enter our mess. We say, oh, I can't allow the light of Christ to shine on that. Yes, you can. Yes, you must. He came to stand in the ruins and the waste places and begin a song of eternal joy. As the praise team comes up and we prepare to come to the table together, friends, that's, you know... Here's Jesus, born to a humble couple in a manger, a feeding stall, a muddy, smelly place, you know? And that, in the middle of a system that was corrupt, in the middle of a government that was after its own people, in the middle of violence and warfare and terrorism, here's Jesus determined to prove he's not afraid of the mess. He he came to the sickened systems of Jerusalem. He came to the broken dreams and the false expectations of the shepherds and the priests and the teachers and the kings and even and even the Persian stargazers. He stepped into that mess to stand in the ruins and the waste places to enter the mess, to to administer grace, to forgive even where you condemn yourself. Jesus came to bring you home. There's no shame in where he found you. He knew you were there. That's how he knew where to come and find you and to carry you home. If Jesus entered Bethlehem and Judea, in the time of King Herod. He can enter your life and he's prepared to see all the broken places, all the faulty places, to move into all the systems that are pushing you down. There's no shame in where he found you. Born in Bethlehem, raised on the run, there was a man named Jesus Nazareth. Some say he came to save. Lord, we thank you so much for the way you came into the world. We thank you, God, for the genius of your incarnation. We thank you, Lord, for the way you didn't just throw ideas uh, over the side of the boat for us to fish out of the water on our own. You didn't just cast a, a, a way of life at us that we could either run and win or, or fall off and lose. You came. You came yourself into our lives. And Jesus, you still come. You still come into the mess. You still let us see you and know you and know your love and look you in the eye. 
Jesus, we thank you for it. Help us to see you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the First Prez Podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.